Today's scripture reading is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. I'm Pastor Tim. Thanks for being here. Turn to someone and say, thanks for being here. Go ahead and say that to somebody. We're in a series called Family First. As we enter 2019, we thought the first series we would have focused on family, on relationships. Uh, And so uh, we launched the series just by way of introduction last weekend. But today, uh, we're going to talk about uh, marriage. And then next weekend, uh, we're going to have a great message about siblings. So uh, teenagers, you're going to want to be here. Kids, you're going to want to be here. But also adults, we have siblings. Um, And so it's an interesting uh, gift. uh, And how, you know, that's a powerful relationship. Uh, sometimes, sometimes complicated, but sometimes extremely wonderful. The next weekend then, two weekends from today, we're going to be talking about the family known as the body of Christ. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. So it's a great series to launch uh, a brand new year together. And uh, today, as mentioned a couple times now, we're going to circle the marriage piece. We're going to talk about marriage. And I want to put out just something right at the beginning here. For those of you who are here today who are single, who are divorced, who are widows or widowers, um, we love you. Uh, We love you. Uh, We're so glad you're here. And uh, this is not a message meant to exclude you in any way. Whenever we engage in God's word, there's biblical truth for us. And my hope is if that's any of you, uh, that you know uh, we love you. And this is uh, hopefully something uh, in this message today that will help you if you ever are to be married uh, down the road, or you have loved ones in your life who are married, and, and there's a the piece in here today or two that you could um, prayerfully use to enrich or encourage those marriages around you. And so I just wanted to put that out there uh, before we begin a message on marriage. Now, marriage gets the brunt of a lot of jokes, and sometimes that's fortunate or unfortunate. I think of Rodney Dangerfield, who used to say, My wife and I were happy for 20 years, and then we met. And those are the kind of jokes that get laughs because, you know, well, it's funny, but there's some truth in every bit of humor too. And so what does that mean? What does that look like? When I think of humor, and I just want to break the ice on this topic today, I love, everybody loves Raymond, and the marriage is in there. Uh, Frank and Marie, uh, Ray's parents, uh, Robert, his brother, Uh, listen, let's break the ice with Ray talking to his brother Robert about marriage. What I forgot to say when I was telling all those stupid, stupid jokes was was all the good things about marriage. (laughs) You know, there's just so much good about this. It's like, it's almost hard to start. Raymond, look. No, no, I'm going to get this. Okay, here's something. You know how when you're, you're sleeping and you, you kind of stop breathing? 
When you're married, there's always someone there to nudge you alive. All right, I don't know what I'm talking about. Look, look, this is marriage. You wake up in the morning and she's there. You, you, you come home at night and she's there. You eat, she's there. You, you go to sleep, there. And I know that sounds like a bad thing. But it's not. It's not. Not if it's the, if it's the right person. Then it's good. It's, it's good. It's really, really good. Then it's good. It's good. It's really, really good. In the creation story in Genesis, inspired by God and penned by someone who was not there, but God revealed to the author the story of creation. God looked and saw it was good. It was really, really good. He labored for six days. The Hebrew word is yam, yam, you want to say yam? Now that can mean a 24-hour day, but it also can mean any period of time, which I love that interpretation of the Hebrew, because we know that science has an understanding of how things came into being in the creation story. One thing followed the next, and one thing followed the next. And when you think about it, yam, meaning any period of time, lines up beautifully with science. As we think about the order of things coming along, God sets the earth and the waters and the systems in motion, vegetation and plants, then the animals, yam, 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 Everything over the course of time is established and created, and it's good. It's very good. And then God makes you and me. Male and female, he created them, Genesis 1 says. And he places us in his creation. And in Genesis chapter 2, if you want to join me there, we're going to be in the first book of your Bible. Genesis, the easiest book to find. First book. Chapter 2, verse 24. As you're turning there, man, Adam, from the earth, from the dust, Adam, is created. And God brings all the animals to Adam, Adam, man, and he gets to name them. How cool a job would that be? If I could sign up for one job in the history of humankind, I get to name all the animals. Cow, lion, bear, although that's a sore subject right now, I know, but you get to name all the animals, and then it's clear there's no partner for a man, Adam, Adam. While he's sleeping, the narrative goes, God takes a rib from Adam, and from that creates woman. And a perfect union now begins. 
We read the text 224, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become what? One flesh. It is a physical union, perfection. It is an emotional union. And here's the first point I'd like to make this morning with you as we think about marriage from Scripture. It is a holy union. Marriage is a holy union. Part of God's plan for creation, the perfect union of male, female, joining together, not just physical, the emotional union that comes with that, and certainly the holy union. Holy meaning divine, of God, set apart. Holy, literally peeling back all the way, set apart by God to be other. Holy, divine. What if in our marriages we remembered this more often? That marriage is a holy union and part of God's plan. Holy. What if we reminded ourselves of that? Because if we're honest, I mean, if we're raw, honest, I think we forget that. I think we go through the motions of life. We go through the motions of marriage. We wake up. We go through our day. We, we interact with our spouse. We rinse, repeat. We do it again. We rinse, repeat. We do it again. And it's just like, do we remember this is a holy union? Part of God's plan. What would our marriage look like? Maybe we put a note in our, in our, uh, where we see it during the day, every day, and remind us, my marriage is a holy union. Now keep that in mind and think about what Jesus says in Matthew. The first book of the New Testament is Matthew. Join me there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew 19, verse 4. Hold the Genesis thought. Marriage being a holy union. Matthew 19. The religious leaders are trying to trap Jesus in this chapter and they are putting him on the spot on the topic of marriage and divorce. And I'm lifting this verse up uh, to remind you that there is always a connection between the Old Testament and the New. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to abolish the law. And he says in 19.4, when he's challenged by these religious leaders on the topic, he says, haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? That's right from Genesis 1. And said, for, uh, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Sound familiar? We just read it. Genesis 2. Now Jesus adds on. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus affirming God's divine and holy plan for male and female to be united in marriage. From that begins a family, the family of husband and wife. And if it is God's plan for that couple, then perhaps children. And that is a, a gift and a blessing. And from that holy union comes creation, comes new the gift of life, birth. And Jesus affirms it in 19.4. Now, some time ago, a young man, and let's just call him, uh, let's call him Reuben. 
my favorite sandwich. Let's just call him Reuben. And he falls in love with a girl, let's call her Rachel. That's the turkey version of the Reuben, in case you're wondering. So Rachel falls, Reuben and Rachel fall in love. And uh, he asks her to marry her. They tell their family. They start planning. How many of you have planned a wedding or someone else's? Raise your hand up high. How many of you have been involved in the planning process? Yeah. Blessings on all of you for that. So anyway... Uh, they're all excited as you've been in the mix of that, and they start to put the guest list together. Who's going to come? Well, the family and the close friends and all the people we need to invite, even though some of them we don't want to, but we have to because that's just kind of how it goes. Let's get the list together. And they put the list together, and Rachel says to Reuben, why don't we invite Jesus to the wedding? And Reuben pauses and thinks about it and goes, yeah, that's an awesome idea. Let's invite Jesus to our wedding. So they send him an invitation. And Jesus responds. He's coming. Jesus shows up at their wedding. Want to hear what happens next? Join me in chapter 2 of the Gospel of John, verse 1. John chapter 2. Now I made up their names, but the story is still true. Jesus is yet to uh, begin his public ministry, has yet to perform any miracles, has yet to uh, teach any of God's will through his voice. And in John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, in the New Testament, chapter 2, we pick it up at verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Verse 3, when, she, when the wine was gone, everyone gasped. You're at a wedding and the wine is gone. Everybody gasp. Jesus' mother said to him, Jesus, they have no more wine. He says, mother, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. In other words, I haven't begun my public ministry yet, mom. It gets better. Verse 5, his mother says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. You love that exchange? Mom, it's not my time. Don't involve me. She turns to the servants. Do whatever he says. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Jesus said to the servants, fill, fill the jars with water. Look back at verse 6. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons each of water. Think how much water that is. Six of those, 20 to 30 gallons. Verse 7 again, fill the jars with water. They filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into what, everybody? Wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Out comes Chateau Lafitte 48. I mean, and the, and the master of the house is saying, why did you save this great wine till the end? We usually serve that first and then when everyone's had a few, then we bring out the cheap stuff. Why, why do we save all this? Well, Jesus performed this incredible miracle. He blessed this wedding he was invited, he showed up, and he blessed the wedding. Let me 
push this out one more step for you in your life right now. Whether or not you invited Jesus to your wedding, and I hope you did, will you invite him to your marriage? Will you invite him daily to be a presence in your marriage? Will he be at the center of your love, your commitment, your serving to your spouse for the sake of this holy union? What would our marriages look like if we remembered to invite Jesus to our marriage every day? Every day. Realizing this gift from God. So the first thing, marriage is a holy union. Invite God, invite Jesus Christ into your marriage. Second point today I'd like us to think about, maybe of three things to, to, to focus on uh, marriage, is super practical. And sometimes you just want to give a practical thing. How many of you are familiar with The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman? Anybody? I highly recommend this book, this online uh, resource for you. Uh, you can learn what he believes are the five ways people speak love, metaphorically. How they express it, how they speak, how they show it to others. And you have a primary love language. And the goal of the marriage is to learn your spouse's primary love language and learn then to speak it because it's probably not yours of the five. It's rare that the two line up together. If they do, great, because then you have an understanding of what it means to speak it. But most often you have to learn what it means to speak the love language that is not yours. Let me unpack it for you if I'm clear as mud right now. The first one, and these aren't in any order, words of affirmation. We want to uh, hear, this is the love language that needs to hear compliments, words of encouragement, um, things that a spouse says to the other to, to, to cheer them on. Um, this is strong with men in particular. Guys just want to be told how great we are. It's true. It's the reason men play pickup ball at the Y over the lunch hour because they just want to hear compliments. So they play basketball and they go, hey, great shot. Hey, nice pass. Oh, you good hustle. Hey, nice rebound. Oh, you're really good. You're really on today. We do that just for the compliments. We don't really care about the game that much. But it's words of affirmation. And it's a strong one with men, but not, not uncommon with women. Depends on a lot with the two decades of upbringing you had and how your parents spoke love into your, your life. This happens to be mine, so feel free to tell me how great I am anytime. Next one is quality time. This one is what you think it is. But let me add one little layer to this. This is fully present quality time. This isn't in the same room with my spouse while I'm on my phone or my laptop quality time. This is fully present. I'm here for you. I am speaking this love language metaphorically by just being here. We're going for a walk. We're going on a date. We're, going, we're traveling together. We're talking at the kitchen table. The TV is off. We're just, I'm fully here for you. Next. 
gifts. Gift giving. This is one of our kids, no question. It's gifts. It's not the amount of the gift. It's, uh, and by the way, that's a sidebar. These work with, there's, there's love languages of children, parents, and there's love languages of teens. So it's a great resource for everyone here to figure it out. Parents, this is great for your relationship with your kids as well. But gift giving, it's not the amount of the gift. It's just simply the thought. It's the little thing. I saw this. I, I thought I'd, I'd, I'd get it for you. I know your birthday's three months away. I know you really want this. I got it for you. Um, little notes, little cards, little, little things. I have a father-in-law who lived this out to perfection and makes most of us guys look kind of bad. On the 11th day of every month of his marriage to his wife of almost 50 years, on the 11th day, the day they were married, the 11th day of the month, every month he came home with a rose for her. That's a lot of roses. Guess what her love language was? Gifts. Fourth, acts of service. This is doing little chores, little tasks for your spouse that make them feel the love from you. Practically speaking, this is me putting the toilet seat down or picking my wet towel up off the floor, neither in my nature, but I do them because I have learned this is Kathy's primary love language. I can tell Kathy how pretty she is, how nice she is, how funny she is, till I'm blue in the face. She doesn't want to hear any of it. It's not her love language. It doesn't work for her. She just wants me to pick up my wet towel and maybe make the bed once a month. Acts of service. Lastly, but certainly not lastly in the list. Physical touch, it is what it is. Certainly intimacy in the marriage, but this is also way beyond that. This is hand-holding. This is sitting close enough on the couch where you feel the presence of the other person. This is just walking by and a quick scratch on the back. This is a fluff of the head, a squeeze of the neck. It's, it's that constant touch that this other spouse needs to feel even though it may not be your primary love language. So practically speaking, I'd encourage you to do this. It's enriched our marriage. I'm positive it will enrich yours. If you know your spouse's primary love language, you might have one, two, or three, but there's a primary one, and they know yours. Because Jesus tells us, I came not to be served, but to what? Serve. Spouses, if we are to have a Christ-like heart with our marriage, then we are to serve our spouse. Both of us, serving the other, speaking metaphorically their primary love language, letting them know they are loved on a daily basis, that this is a holy union, and to be Christ-like, I'm going to serve you every day, trying to speak your love language into your life. Third, so the first thing is marriage is a holy union. The second thing is a practical thing to have a Christ-like heart, a servant's heart, and speak your spouse's love language to them and them to you. The third thing, we're going to go back to, the, to uh, Ray. Uh, Mom Marie and Frank are sitting with their grown children and their spouses, and Marie is going to give them an earful about her understanding of what marriage is and how it works. Take a look and a listen. Now you listen to me. Maybe you could all use some advice from someone who's in a position to give it. See what you did, Amy? 
You think we have nothing to offer? We've been married 46 years. We've seen the lows and we've seen the highs. What day was the high? <laughs> You're newlyweds. You're in love. God bless you. You know nothing. <laughs> and you too. You're always fighting. And the reason you get so upset is because you think there's something wrong with that. Look at us. This is experience. This is wisdom. This is juicy. <laughs> you want some real marriage advice? I'm going to give you the secret now. There's going to be yelling. There's going to be anger. Don't fight it. Accept it. You love him. You hate him. He disgusts you. Look how he eats. <laughs> you keep your head down and you plow through. Amen. <laughs> hate have any place in a marriage you make room <laughs> there's going to be hate hate is real marriage is real we might fight but we're okay with each other and you know why we've endured we have been through it all and now we're waiting for death <laughs> Fair enough. That's a marriage. I don't know who can deliver a line better than Frank. But you put your head down and you plow through. Years ago, uh, I was a recipient of a gift. And although it's not my primary love language, it was an incredible gift. It's, a, uh, it's this pocket watch, actually, from the Elgin uh, Company, so it's got a local connection for us. It was made in uh, 1882, and uh, it's been in our family since then, and I hope to pass it on to my kids and hopefully their kids. And uh, you turn this, uh, and the little seconds hand starts to... To move around the little dial there you see on the screen, and it moves the, the minutes and the hours, and it keeps time perfectly still. It's just a precious gift, and it has incredible value to me, and it had some decent value out there in the world as well. I, I had it up here years ago. I was, I was doing a message uh, with the kids on a particular weekend, and as I do between services, I went back to the... Uh, to the tech booth and put my Bible down and I was opening this and closing it and I don't know what happened still to the day but a freak accident and the, the super thin, like the thinnest glass you can ever imagine that covered the face of the watch cracked and just the whole thing just shattered. And I just stood there and I went, you gotta be kidding me. Did that just happen? I mean, did that just break? And I know I can replace the glass and it'll be good to protect the watch that way. And I also know that its value, its monetary value shattered when the glass did. 
And I went home and I told Kathy just how crushed I was that this incredible gift, I mean, this is such an incredible gift that I have and, and hold dear. And, and, uh, but it was a few days later that I realized the value of this gift to me hasn't changed at all. Yes, there's a part of it, there's a piece of it that's broken now. But it hasn't changed in value to me. That this has been handed from generation to generation in my family and hopefully will continue to do so. That it's something I, I understand the, the connection to my family. I understand the gift and the gift giver and the intention of that. And the, the, what all to say, the value of this gift, even though the value of the watch is now shattered, the value of this gift is still the same as when it was given to me. Almost 25 years ago, when I married Kathy, I believe that marriage was a gift from God to me and to her. And even though in those almost 25 years, a part of the marriage perhaps broke along the way or there's a piece that's been shattered or, or a moment of, of trial, the gift God gave us on this wedding day has not decreased at all in my heart, in my mind, in my soul, because it is a gift from God to us. It is a holy union. I am called to have a servant's heart and speak love to my wife in a way she understands it. And this third piece now, it began with Marie in the video and this story in the watch and my marriage is simply this. Spouses need to daily offer grace to one another and live in that grace. That forgiveness and grace that God first gave to us on the cross. That forgiveness and grace that God sent his only son into the world to provide for you and me. And what spouse has any other action after they kneel at the cross and walk away from it understanding the gift of God than to offer that grace to their spouse daily even though there may be a little piece of the marriage that cracked or is broken, the gift remains the same. Live in that grace with one another. Quick review, the gift of marriage. Number one, remember, your marriage is a holy union, part of God's plan for humankind. Next, find a practical way you can enrich your marriage. I gave the example of the five love languages by Gary Chapman. Go online, take you five minutes to do an online inventory to figure out what your primary one is and what your spouse's is. And last, spouses need to live daily in God's grace, but offer that grace as well to their spouse. Get rid of the scorecard keeping pluses and minuses and the things they've done and not done, that grace. I love you. I forgive you. This marriage is a gift from God. This is a holy union. I choose to serve because that's the model Christ gave me. Out of my love for you, which is a choice I make, not just the ooey-gooey feeling because it's so much more than that. It's a choice I make. And I make it because this gift from God is holy and because 
I love you. May we pray. God, we thank you that you established marriage from the very beginning of time. We thank you that your son blessed marriage by his presence in Cana, but also by his incredible miracle. Lord, may we invite Jesus to our marriages and expect his blessings in abundance to flow freely. And Lord, finally, I ask that we just remember that as our marriages are holy unions, that we may live together in grace and that we offer the grace you have first given to us through the cross of your son, Jesus Christ, to our spouse. Lord, for those of us not married here today, I pray your blessing upon each of them. And I pray that your biblical wisdom has enlightened them in some way. And Lord, I pray these things boldly in Jesus' name, and we all said together, amen.